Portland State University's History Department presents This Week Back Then. Today we are jumping back to May 30th, 1948, for this week's episode, Vanport, Tragedy and Conspiracy in Postwar Oregon. This is Jeffrey Stone. In the 1940s, the United States was fighting in World War II. Our nation's industries were hard at work like never before and desperate for employees. Kaiser Shipyards, on the outskirts of North Portland, was no exception. Owner Henry J. Kaiser purchased 650 acres of land by the Columbia River in the area where Portland International Raceway and the Expo Center are located today. His goal was to cheaply house and employ wartime migrants coming in from out of state. The site of the city was chosen by Kaiser and the Federal Housing Authority. Vanport was situated in a marshland between the Columbia River and Smith Lake and was protected on all four sides by a series of dikes. The apartments were cheaply built wooden structures with insufficient heating and little to no insulation. The Housing Authority of Portland, real estate investors, and other elites spurned the idea of an entire city full of public housing being built next to Portland. They feared such a development would lower Portland's property values. After its completion, Vanport became home to one-third of Oregon's African-American population. Though whites were still the majority, this caused many Portland elites to unfairly classify Vanport as a black neighborhood and to blame African-Americans for the city's crime issues. At its peak, during the mid-1940s, Vanport was the second largest city in Oregon with over 40,000 residents. At the time of the flood in 1948, Vanport was down to just 18,000 citizens, one-third of whom were unemployed. On May 30, 1948, at 4.17 p.m., the western dike holding back the flooding waters of the Columbia River gave way and unleashed devastation. Firefighter Oscar Bollinger wrote about what he experienced. I heard a very loud crashing noise and saw a large portion of the dike give way, and a mountain of water poured into Vanport towards Fire Station 3 in the college. The raging waters took only 90 minutes to engulf the entire city. Houses floated about and bounced off of each other in the swirling brown water. Eyewitness Stephen Epler escaped the violent flood by climbing onto a large pile of coal in the local train yard. Epler wrote about what he saw. From there, I could see houses floating around some of them appearing to move as fast as 10 to 20 miles an hour. People wondered how this could have happened. The flood had come with no warning. To make matters worse, both the Housing Authority and the Army Corps of Engineers sent out notices to people's homes telling them that everything was fine and that the dikes would hold. The Army Corps of Engineers had built the dikes themselves and issued this message the very same day as the flood. Dikes are safe at present. You will be warned if necessary. You will have time to leave. Don't get excited. After the flood, rumors began to fly about town that the Housing Authority, the Army Corps of Engineers, and the Portland City Chamber of Commerce had conspired to hide the bodies of hundreds of flood victims. The allegation was that authorities were concerned that reports of hundreds of deaths in Vanport would discourage tourism to the upcoming Rose Festival in Portland. Other rumors surfaced 
claiming that authorities had either damaged the dikes or simply looked the other way as they fell apart in an effort to clean out the refuse. After the water receded, the final death toll was 15, with an additional 18 persons officially listed as missing. Nearly all 2,000 people on the missing persons list were accounted for, and the conspiracy theories of concealed bodies quickly faded. But the emotional scars left behind were never forgotten by the victims of the Vanport Flood. Neither should they be forgotten by us. For more on this topic and others, please visit pdx.edu history.